Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. And on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, the voice of the Pacers, Valley Sports Indiana, he is Chris Denary. Were you a little gas being on the road as long as you were? Yeah, uh, that that's the longest road trip in 37 years. I've never done a road trip that long. I think I was listening to you with Mike. I, I do think the longest that I'd ever done was a five. So uh, seven games, uh, you know, it's, that's a long time living out of a suitcase. Um, I had to remember uh, I, I'm, I'm on, uh, let's see where I'm on, Pennsylvania right now. I had to remember my route. It nice. had been a couple of weeks since I had done this. So, uh, yeah, just making my way downtown to Cambridge Fieldhouse for tonight's game. I'd ask Mike a question that I, I had put out there and answered myself a little bit earlier this week about winning two of seven on the road and how you would view either bad or good of a particular Western road swing. And and I'm not lowering the bar by any stretch of the imagination here, but for this group and what we expect what they went through, what they battled, what they did. I look at that, and I, I say at least they got two in there. And I know that the other, you know, blows out, they were blown out in Sacramento and Portland and Utah against the Clippers, and then he had that close loss the other night against the T-Wolves. And I know that people might be disappointed, but I tell them not to be as a part of this whole growth process. You agree? Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, I, I think – you know, I look at Golden State earlier this year. They went on a five-game Eastern Conference road trip and lost every one of them. Uh, you know, they've not been a good road team this year. And, John, honestly, if you if we were having this discussion back in August or even early September and you looked through the first 25 games and said, hey, you'd be coming back from a seven-game road trip still over 500 at 13 and 12, I do think everybody would have taken it. Now, when you get in the moment – you get a little disappointed. I would have loved for uh, the Pacers to have won Wednesday night. They rallied from that 23-point deficit, had a third-quarter lead, rallied from a nine-point deficit in the final minute, and had a chance to win that game. And if you win at Minnesota, then all of a sudden you've won three of the seven, and you might look at that road trip a little differently. But I I think, you know, to at least get two wins on that road trip in the fashion that you did it, against, you know, two teams in the Lakers and the Warriors that are, are, are good at home, I, I thought, you know, was an important statement for this team because, uh, again, you looked at that road trip maybe a month ago and you're trying to figure out, man, how are the Pacers going to get some wins? Uh, so, uh, you know, I think for what they've gone through and where they are right now, they have to feel pretty good about their standing. No, I, I would agree with you on that as well and i have to remind people just like rick carlisle reminded everybody before they embarked on that seven gamer out west was hey you know this this is a a great start um and that's fantastic but now teams are really and i'm paraphrasing here going to put a bullseye on this team are going to be more prepared for this team and he was he was kind of letting us all in on what might be on the seven gamer and i thought really it kind of worked out as he explained it probably would before you guys took off 
Yeah, and, and you know those that that three game stretch. You had your longest losing streak of the year, and it was your three worst losses. Uh, you know, you got blown out in Sacramento, and they're they're playing pretty well right now. Uh, you got beat by Utah, and then Damian Lillard comes back, and you get beat by Portland. So, no, you're right, and I think. You look at all of these things, and, you know, let's just pinpoint a player in Benedict Matherin. He's named the Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month for October and November, uh, had a sensational first 20-plus games. He struggled of late, and I think everybody knew that could happen because all of a sudden, John, you're game plan differently than you were the first month, month and a half of the season. He's near the top of the scouting report now for the Pacers, so – there are adjustments that this group is going to have to make continuously, not just through the first 25 games, but now the next 25 games as you hit the halfway point of the season. How can we get them? And I'm wondering about tonight. We've talked about this before. Notoriously, a team coming off a long road trip like that, it is a bit of a slog at the beginning when you get back home. And I expect that. However, this has been the M.O. of this team, these bad first quarters, the, these bad starts. How do they redirect this thing at the begin, beginning of games to make this better? I think it's a part of the whole growth process, but it's something I think that you probably need to work hardcore on beginning later on tonight. Yeah, there's no question. 11 out of 13, you've fallen behind uh, after a quarter. 18 of the 25 games, and I think it's 11, John, by double figures. I mean, you look back at Wednesday night, uh, I did not see any way, and I've watched this team battle back from big deficits. It was looking so dire in that first quarter, I thought, I'm not sure the Pacers can get back in it. And then they score 44 second quarter points, so... It's just been a real interesting situation. You know, think back to the Golden State game. You're undermanned, and yet you lead most of the way in that game and jump out to a double-figure lead. And then you get the, the bulk of your starters back, Halliburton and Turner, and you return to your old ways, and you fall behind by 18 in the first quarter at Minnesota. So, yeah, it's been an interesting uh, year. I know Rick Carlisle's trying to figure out, you know, How do you get off to better starts? Because if you continuously fall behind, are you going to win some games when you're down by 10 or 20? Sure you are. But you're not going to do it all the time. And unfortunately, the Pacers have fallen into this rut far too many times that it's just really, really hard to continue to have to come back from deficits like that. Jalen Smith didn't participate in that final of the seven games out west in Minneapolis the other night. What's his availability for tonight? Do you know yet? No, there's still uh, the injury report came. There's still a lot of guys listed questionable. They still had Turner questionable with a hamstring, even though a sore hamstring, even though he played on Wednesday. Uh, They did not practice yesterday. They did not shoot around today. Uh, They're on the floor right now, uh, you know, about two hours before the game. So, when Rick Carlisle meets with the media at about 5.15, we should have some clarity on the availability of players tonight. Does it look like it is more enjoyable? I guess it would stand to reason it would be. But if you watch Rick Carlisle on the sideline a year ago, it didn't look like that there was too much joy. If you remember Rick Carlisle in closing out his career as the head coach of the Mavericks, that did not look too enjoyable. But you look at this version of Rick Carlisle on the sideline with this team, it looks like he's having as good a time as they are. 
I think he is. I mean, he'll tell you the, the function of a coach is to be a teacher. I mean, they go hand in hand. And I really think that he's enjoyed uh, teaching this group. Uh, I mean, to a man on the coaching staff, on the staff, the performance people, the athletic trainers, I've been told that this is one of the great groups that they've worked with in many, many years. And many of these people, uh, you know, on the performance side and the athletic training uh, side, John, have been with the franchise for between 15 and 20 years. So I think that's high praise about this group. And I think that's one of the reasons, and again, we can argue success, but, but I think, you know, I don't think anybody thought they'd be in sixth in the East right now, a game over 500, so we can argue success. But I think it's been successful thus far, and I think it's been because this group has really bought into what the coaching staff is, is preaching. And I think Rick Carlisle has had uh, a very enjoyable time developing this young group. And uh, there's there's still a long way to go, uh, but uh, I mean, look at that Golden State game. Even the other night against Minnesota, John, in the Golden State game, at one point they had three rookies on the floor. They had Travel and Queen, a two-way player, and throw in Isaiah Jackson, a, a second-year player, going up against the defending world champs, and they were holding their own, if not, you know, doing better. So. It's been an interesting kind of year, but I do think he's enjoyed it a lot. So, Kristen Airy of Bally Sports Indiana got the call in her on tonight. 6.30, your pregame begins, and it's a 7P tip with the Pacers and the Wizards from Gamebridge Fieldhouse coming up later on tonight. Um, let me get to a couple more things, and then I'll cut you loose here. The growth of Andrew Nemhart. Surprising to you the level in which he has reached to this early portion of his NBA career. I think the surprising uh, part of that, John, would be his ability to score. Um, you know, I think in the last four or five games, he's averaging 15 points. He had that 31-point game in Golden State. I, I think they everybody thought that he'd be a really good defender um, and a good ball handler, and he sees the game well. But his ability to make shots in critical situations uh, has been, I think, outstanding. And I think that's been the biggest shock for many of us uh, to know that he could come into the NBA and score at the level he's been able to score. But uh, you think about it. I mean, he is an absolute steal at 31. I mean, this is a guy that should have been a first-round draft pick, and the Pacers feel very fortunate that he slid all the way to them with the first pick of the second round. Buddy healed the other night. They're down two. He's trying to shake up Rudy Gobert a little bit. If Had he gone to that up and under on the other side of the rim and not – I didn't say – he didn't really challenge Gobert, but going at Gobert on, on that side of the rim, do you think maybe things would have turned out differently for him? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was in the locker room after the game, and we were talking to Buddy, and he had beaten him early in the game and gotten to the basket and scored with that left hand. And I think he felt like he had cleared Gobert. Give Gobert credit because he chased him down in a critical situation. It was not goaltending. I mean, he, he put the ball against the backboard. So I'm not sure Buddy felt comfortable going up and under. I think based on what he had done the first time, he was confident that he could get to the rim quicker than Gobert could get there. But obviously he didn't. Yeah, I thought I thought he was trying to get it up off the glass as quickly as possible. That's uh, you know what I mean. I just thought he was trying to get it up there off the glass as quickly as possible. But yeah, Gobert. Um, it, by the way, too, when Gobert dunked that 
for the final points of the game. I was kind of curious. Anybody bat an eye on that? Is that a situation where you don't pull it back out like everybody else in the NBA does? And if you don't, you have a little bit of yeah. anger toward it. Anybody think about that? I mean, the way that happened, I guess, with the turnover, I didn't really have a problem with it. I didn't either. It was such a fast, it was such a fast transitional play. Uh, I, I think the fact of the matter that he made the two free throws, John, I would have never thought that he would go to the line and make both free throws. Anthony Edwards, yes, he's going to make both. But those were two huge free throws that Gobert made that really put a lot of pressure on the Pacers the other way. Anthony Edwards travels even more than you travel in the NBA. Basically, every time he makes a move off the dribble. Every yeah, time. I think the one thing, and, and I will say this, I think the NBA has done a better job. They've almost gone over the top with it, but what happens is so many players out on the perimeter, I, I say it to Quinn, it's like they're in a starting block to run the 100 meters, right? And, and they take off with both feet instead of, you know, taking off with one with a pivot foot. So um, I think this has become an increasingly hard call to make because these guys are so fast and so quick. And I will say, I will give kudos to the league. Uh, for really trying to hone in on it, because once they do that, it should correct itself. Uh, but there are still guys that are going to get away with it just because they uh, they do it so easily. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying there, but at the same time, I think that if you corral it and put your thumb down on it and call it, then that teaches the lesson to them first. And when you let it happen... I think it's tough to really, as they say, put that toothpaste back in the uh, tube of toothpaste. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's what I think is difficult about it. But I would say the traveling calls are way up from what we've seen. That's true. I mean, that part's I mean, true, yeah. I mean, there, there's, there have been some games, John, where I think we've had seven to ten traveling calls, um, all very similar, those calls out on the perimeter where a player is either coming off a screen or just trying to get to the basket as quick as possible. By the way, 33 going to the chest of Gobert the other night was something new that I haven't seen from him before. If you I, noticed. I'll tell you what, he's, yeah, he's done a lot of things very well this year. I mean, he's got a three-game stretch, John, where he's averaging about 21 points a game, uh, shooting the three well, I think taking the ball to the basket. I've been very impressed. I mean, I think you know this is the best year of Miles' career right now. He's averaging 18 points, eight rebounds, 55% from the field. He's shooting over 40% from three-point range. I mean, he has not had numbers like this uh, prior to his career. So I've, you have to give this guy a lot of credit uh, for, for his product. I know you do. Oh, yeah. I know there's a lot of people that, that don't, but, but he's been very good this year. Uh, yeah, has he had a dud here or there? Sure. Um, everybody's going to have one of those. But by and large, his numbers have really been outstanding this year. Nope. Completely agree. Now you do follow my timeline on Twitter, right? Especially yeah, I mean, after times, after every game. Times I, I have to disengage. <laughs> I mean, I, I I have to disengage. And I mean, during the games, it's it's hard it's hard enough to call a game, um, let alone you know get to Twitter during timeouts and those types of things. So um, I, I will see after the fact, you know, some of the back and forth that you have. Uh, with some of your friends. Yeah. My friends. You got my anonymous friends. One of these yeah. days, maybe I'll find yeah. out who they are. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. All right. Have a great call tonight, Chris. Appreciate you. 
All right, good to be back home. Looking forward to it. Thanks. You got a denary there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Now let's fire this up. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. There you go, Mike. There's your lead. Nobody. <laughs> baby, nobody. Nobody, baby. Nobody. That's well nobody done. Like me. Nobody. That's nice. Nobody. All that long. Nobody, you think Keith? You think Keith Sweat would be happy with this particular cover of his song by you? Man, listen, Keith Sweat sounds like a Billy Goat. So I can sound like a, I can sound like, I can sound like a Billy Goat when, when I sing too. Keith Sweat can do it, man. Yeah, man, but he's just he back in the day. I'm still he sure does today. But back in the day, he was he was having he was fighting them off. You know what I mean? Oh my goodness! Listen, he ate. My man, he couldn't keep up probably back in the day, if you if you know what I mean, man. That, yeah. That's how Keith Sweat was rolling, man. I don't know about oh, you, but we had a we had a little bench clearing little bench clear in the World Cup here. I think I'm on board with that. Oh man, listen, I gotta tell you, I've been paying close attention, not right now, because I am not at home, so I'm not I'm not I'm not watching the match, but that son of mine has had me looking at the World Cup throughout, man. And you know what? In fact, you know, if, if you see him on Sunday, I'm not sure where the Center Grove girls are playing at, but if you see him on Sunday, you got to ask him why he, why he was trying to get let me uh, have him skip school so he can watch the World Cup, man. Oh, did you let him do it? You didn't, did you? You sent him. Oh, man, no. Listen, I told his boy to go to school, man. It's almost Christmas break. <laughs> you, 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 you can suck. You can suck it up a little bit, man. You'll be all right. That, hey, that's what the DVR is for. Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah, you got to watch that some other time, right there. But I think we. I don't know. Are we in Franklin this weekend. I'd have to look. Yeah, I think. I think so. I think it's the last weekend, man. Yeah, I think I get to go finally. I haven't been able to go in a month because the cold schedule compared to their schedule. So I'm finally going to get to oh, go. My God. And, and we and we know which we know which. Which product has been a lot worse than the other in the <laughs> conflict on Sunday? Yes, yes, we have. Even when you were going back to, you know, on a daily basis not too long ago covering the Colts, did you ever envision it being this bad? <laughs> no, you know, it, it's funny. I uh, The Colts always have an annual uh, media dinner. Normally it's been on the road, but for the first time ever, they did it they did it in Indy last night. I never get invited. You notice I never get invited to that, right? I never get the invitation. Oh, man. So, shout out to the District Tap on the north side, and shout out to the Colts for inviting me because, as I was put it, I was, I was told I'm grandfathered in. Okay. So, I get a, I get an invite every year. So, we go up to last night, and that, that's the topic of discussion. <laughs> People are like, what's, you know, what's the worst season you've covered with the Colts? And I said, obviously, 2017, we knew they were going to stink when Andrew Luck had the shoulder injury, a shoulder injury and he missed that time, and Scott Tolzien was straight garbage in week one against the L.A. Rams. 2015, you know, you had 
the Golden Girls going at each other and Chuck Pagano and Ryan Grigson. That was bad. Luck with all the 50 million injuries. <laughs> but this, this, this season, this season, this season is so bad that anybody who knows me, they know I like to joke and talk trash about any and everything. But this season, I'm not even teasing the Colts beat writers and, and making fun of them for having to cover, to cover this poo-poo show. That's how bad this season is. I couldn't imagine being around that team in that locker room, in that press box on a weekly basis, having to watch that mess. They played Sunday night, and I got to tell you, I was nowhere, no, I was never been more excited about having having bowel movement problems for, for because I got a colonoscopy on Monday. So I couldn't even watch the game if I wanted to because I was hanging out with the white porcelain god most of the game. Right. So I, I couldn't even watch them. So I was like, man, perfect time to get a colonoscopy and have to take that prep stuff because I don't have to watch this poop that is uh, on the television screen because I'm dealing with my own poop. It, um, it, I think back at it, I went over a little bit earlier too. If you were to go back almost a year ago to when they're on the road in Arizona and they get that fourth quarter win with um, – Wentz throwing it to Desmond Patman back of the end zone. You consider that, and I know that people will probably point to that Saturday night game, or that nationally televised game, I should say, against New England um, as maybe a high point of the season a year ago. But to me, when everybody really thought it was coming together and you know they were getting that momentum going for the postseason was that Christmas night game in Glendale, Arizona. And to just view what has happened since that point in time is absolutely an amazing decline. I mean, you almost, and they have, you almost have to try to do that. Uh, yes, that, that was the last high moment for this franchise. Yeah, it, it was. That was the last yeah. moment. Because you think about it, before, you know, a couple hours before a kickoff, you know, Darius Leonard gets, uh, or Shaq Leonard, they announced that, he, you know, he, he tests positive for covid and they don't have they don't have Shaq Leonard out there. Carson Wentz had his the one great drive, one series that he had because he had to pass he had to pass to Ty, and like I said, you hit Dez in the in the back of the end zone. Nobody thought they were going to go on the road without Shaq Leonard and beat the Arizona Cardinals. You thought right then they were going to take off, and then that following week you get you know Wentz gets COVID, and then they uh, obviously um, Derek Carter. And uh, Hunter Hunter Riffle comes in and gives Kenny Moore the business in that game for the, with the Raiders. And then Shaq's on uh, hard knocks talking about, oh, yeah, uh, we weren't mentally focused. You know, just days after he just ripped into Kravitz for Kravitz asking that same question. That It has been almost a year since something positive has happened for that franchise. That is a horrendous thought. Yeah, and that's even with an offseason of nothing but negativity about the way they went out and the embarrassing fashion in which which they went out. That's even with that. It is it, I mean you you have to try to mess it up that bad. Yeah, it, 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 you you really do. Um I know I've asked you this probably on the phone when we've chatted before. And all I mean take two, 2011 out without luck. I mean excuse me, without um Peyton Manning, we knew it was really bad. You know, even the years with Jim Moore and stuff like that. Have you? Has there been more of a dysfunctional season in this organization? No, no, no. Nah, not even the, the the one where you know GM and head coach tied together, and then GM gets gets canned, and 
head coach in a lame dunk situation is still here, which that was also incredibly mismanaged, as we both well know. But now this is a this is a new level of mismanagement right here. I mean, across the board, it really is from from owner to general manager to whomever's the coach might have been at that moment. I mean, when you consider this, um, I, I thought at the beginning that Jim Irsay really wanted Jeff Saturday to have a little bit the legitimate shot at being the head coach. But the more and more you think about it now, the more and more it almost sounds like it was like um, a little bit of intel he's trying to gain on what all is going on within his own organization that he already pays others to be doing that in the first place. And if he did want Jeff Saturday to be at any level successful – you don't throw him into what is an obvious mess right now and know that he's still going to lose, just like Reich would have, just like anybody else would have in this situation. And then at the end of the year, say, you know, through this exhaustive search and all these candidates we've had in here, as we also satisfy the protocols and the hiring process in the NFL, uh, we still think Jeff Saturday is the guy because there is nobody around here that's going to go for that right now. Oh, my God. I mean, folks who have season tickets – will try to get a refund on season tickets if they if if, if uh, Jim Mercy was to go through the whole process of everything and say, we still feel like Jeff is the right man for this job. We're going to surround him with the right personnel on his, on his staff and everything. And I, I say that as somebody who truly likes Jeff Saturday. I truly like him as a person. But from a coaching standpoint, he is over his head in this situation. And, and – and I expected this to be over his head because, I mean, there's a big difference from going from Georgia high school football to having to coach not only NFL players, but NFL players on a team that is not very good. It is bad. Um, who do you – who do you – who if you if you were Jim Mercer, who are you trying to go get as your next head coach? Well, who am I trying to get? Well, I mean, obviously you try to get a guy like Harbaugh. I mean, you try to – to me, you you got to swing as big as you can. I know we often say that, but that's that's where I start right now is I, I would start with the usual suspects that are the big names, the big deals that people can buy into and believe in right now because there is just none of that. There is none of that, and I, I don't know – if in any meantime you're going to be able to build that confidence back up around here, it's this is going to take a while. This is going to take a while because then even if you still have Chris Ballard around here, which a lot of people tell me he's still going to be, and and for me I don't know why, considering what he has not accomplished, and we've talked about that ad nauseum. But you have him. There's going to be that non-belief there. It just seems like that they they need to kind of wipe the slate clean here. And they've already done a good job of it. I mean, you talk about blowing it up, blowing it up and doing that midseason. I think that's one and the same right there. But to me, you got to do something more than just hire the interim guy that a lot of people are even more skeptical about, more so than they were when he was hired off the set of ESPN in the first place. You got to go big, but I just don't know if that opportunity to go big is going to be out there. I don't know if the opportunity, Mike, to go out and get a quarterback long term in the draft is going to be out there for them. There's going to be a lot of work to be done. And considering the type of work and consistency and savvy this team has shown over the past couple of years, it's tough to believe it. Yeah, um, I'll tell you one thing Jim Mercy can't do either is you, yeah, I, I completely agree. You got to, you got to swing. And Ursay will do that. What they can't, I don't think what they can't do is they can't go out and get 
you know, a guy like, you know, with, with a guy like Matt Rule. And I don't mean obviously Matt Rule's in Nebraska now, but, right. you know, oh, that, 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 you know, relatively known college coach who's doing well and they think that he can make the transition to the NFL. They can't, they, he can't do that because you, he's got to find somebody that the fan base is going to get behind because the reality, the reality is the fan base, I think they've lost so much faith in Jim Irsay. As, as an owner, I think they've lost a lot of faith in Chris Ballard, a general manager, on what his ability to put a roster together. So Ursa can't screw; he can't screw the pooch on this one. Nah, and that's why I mentioned too. I, I just don't think that there's going to be enough time to build this back up. I, I as far as the confidence level with people around here. It just seems like that those moments of confidence right now uh, with, you know, Chris Ballard as the decision maker and with Jeff Saturday as the interim head coach, I think anybody that had any thought that this could be a combination of these guys were going to be able to build it back, put it back together again, and then get back in the swing of competition coming up in 2023. I just don't think anybody's going to buy that combination and going to buy either one of those guys right now at either position. You know, this is going to be a situation where it's two different years, clearly, and the, the roster is two different. But this is going to be like, what's going to happen next year is going to be like um, the whole, whoever comes in, it's going to be like 2017 where you got to tear it down and build it back up and try to get some pieces in place. That's what's going to be. And it's going to, you, uh, unfortunately, I'm sorry, Colts fans, but they're going to, they're going to, their patience is going to be tested because the Colts' desire to try to have a quick fix, like plugging in at quarterback, clearly has not worked since the moment Andrew Luck walked away in 2019. Jacoby was not that guy despite getting the new contract. Phillip came in for one year, got into the playoffs, fine. We know what happened with Carson and Matt. So you can't just say, okay, we'll just plug in one or two pieces and all of a sudden there's optimism for this franchise to be able to win win again. That 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 has proven over and over again of late that that, that approach has not worked. It's uh, Mike Wells with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. You also covered the Pacers for a number of years. You covered them under certainly different circumstances. And I want to look back at the seven-game Western Road swing, which was the longest they have had in you know more than a handful of years. They win two games. You know, one of that last second shot in LA against the Lakers and you know what was a great performance early in the week in Golden State. Now, when you were covering them. If they were to go two and seven in a Western road swing like that, or two four seven, two out of seven games, you would have written that as not being a good trip. How would you view this one for them? They win two out of that seven. They return home, play Washington tonight. How do you view their road trip, considering everything involved here? I look at it as just think about they they played the they lost to the Clippers. Yes, who did not who who were not they lost by fourteen to the Clippers. Who did not have a complete? Did not have their core players out. They, they, they let Zubac go off for thirty-one yes. and, and and twenty-nine. Don't remind them. me. Yes. No, yeah. <laughs> hey. Uh, no. No. Paul. No. Paul George. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard can't stay healthy longer than five minutes. They go into Sacramento, get blown out by twenty-five with K okay, twenty-three points. You can't let that happen. They go to Utah, get lost, lose by twenty. You can't let that happen. Uh, yes, uh, Dame Lillard was just coming back, but you still lose by double digits. To the Trailblazers, there's so many things. I'm, I'm just, I'm a believer. I don't give excuses, and you just can't have those type of games happen. They, they beat the Lakers on the last, a hell of a last second shot, and you can't discredit that. 
props, you know, I give them props for winning at Golden State. I mean, winning at Golden State with a very shorthanded roster, meaning the Pacers. Give them props there. But you still can't go out there and go, <clears throat> excuse me, two and five on a West Coast swing. And the West Coast trips are long. Shoot, I think the longest I ever had, I think I had five games was the longest West Coast trip I ever had with them. Seven games is a long time, but still, two and five, where you got blown out by more than 20 points in several games, ouch. Yeah, you got uh, four straight beginning later on tonight. Actually, the first of a back-to-back tonight. The Wizards here at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Brooklyn coming off a back-to-back of their own coming up tomorrow night, also at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Are you getting IU basketball fever down there now that you're on staff? Man, you know what? I'm getting more, and, and you 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 can feel me on this one because you you got a baby girl too, uh, Miss Laney. I'm buying IU women's basketball, man. I'm just you know they're under the radar, and they're sitting there as the top three team in the country uh, without Grace Berger. I, I Miss Layla has got me all hyped about IU women's basketball. I'll check out some men's games this year, but uh, I think you and I need to get the girls together, the four of us, go down to Buffalo's, get some wings, eat good, and then go check check out the the women play this season. Buffalo's right there too. I tried to. We were uh, <laughs> when were we down there? We were down there, and I tried to. Uh, when did I end up going? I can't remember. I ended up going to. We were going to go to. I wanted to go to Buffalo's. Uh, and then uh, Blake said, hey, why don't we just go to KFC? <laughs> man, listen. Man, hey, man, get, get, get Blake. Tell Blake he can't go to Ron Collins. Oh, I know it. I know like it. I go, what? KFC? Come on. It was the yeah the West 3rd Street KFC, too. So there's no yeah, telling what the hell we were eating right there. Hey, by the way, Grace Berger, where is she, how long is she going to be out? I don't know, man. That is, uh, that, that, that is, a, that is a great question. I have uh, no idea how long that's going to happen. Uh, um, you know, you know, Sydney Parrish is right. Oh yeah, that's Sean uh, Parrish's daughter. Yep. I got her in one of my classes uh, next semester, and I told Miss Layla she about she about broke the window, squealing in, in excitement when I told her <laughs> I got her I got her in a class next semester. Um, a couple of different stories. You know the background with her dad, right? No, I don't. Yeah, her dad, Sean Parrish, who attended Owen Valley High School. Uh, that's where my wife attended high school, Owen Valley High School, um, and not too far from Bloomington and Spencer. He played up at Ball State, and he was a part of that Ball State team in 1990 that barely lost to UNLV when they had Curtis Kidd and Paris McCurdy and Chandler Thompson. Sean Parrish was a part of that. They barely lost to, like, barely lost to Greg Anthony. And yeah. Out. Remember Greg Anthony was wearing the Ball State hat after that game around? We know one of those great, oh, of those right. great cursive signature hats that we all wore back in the day that were badass. He was wearing that Ball hey, State hat because hat. of that. Yeah. The starter hat. Man, I forgot all about that. But that, that, was, that was her dad. And then when we first started the Backyard Bourbon broadcast, this probably goes back – I would have to say maybe four or so years now. We did one up in in Fishers, right there on the Fishers Noblesville line. We were doing it in a backyard, and um, and Sean and Sydney, who I think was in early stages of high school at the time, you know, came over and were hanging out with the crowd. But he's a, he's a great dude. She's a fantastic player. Yeah, man. So I'm I'm looking forward to having her in class. As a matter of fact, I'm actually in Bloomington now. We got our media school holiday party, so I'm going to cut this short. Cause I'm about to go eat my brother, and I will. Uh, look were you guys? Were you guys eating at your holiday party? Where is it? Uh, they uh, we're doing it in the media school. They catered, they catered it. Who catered that thing? I, I have no idea, uh-huh. but I'm gonna let you know. 
I'm gonna let you know. I will let you know. Hey, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do Buffaloes, and then sometime we're gonna have to do Yonkos down there too. I got, I got a hankering to do a little bit of Yonkos at some time. So a little Zagreb is gonna be on the the schedule at some point. All right. All right, let's do that, brother. Hey, have a great weekend. I'll see you on Sunday. You got it. It's Mike Wells of ESPN Radio. Obviously teaches media school writings and such down at IU in Bloomington. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon every Friday, also brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers run CarX locations. For the one nearest you, it's carx.com. Bob Lovell joins us. Good afternoon, Bob. How are you? Hey, John. How are you? Thanks for having me. I am overly excited. And I know that IU fans are excited, Purdue fans are excited. <laughs> but I am excited about my sycamores in this start. Should I be? Well, big. They're pretty good. Uh, we talked about it last week. They, uh, you know, they they just keep playing. They play hard. They're they're hard to match up with. They space the court well. They run the court well. Uh, they're not afraid to shoot the three. They they can beat you off the dribble. Uh, and they're defending at a high level right now. So what's not to like? Yeah, and you got somebody on the floor in Corvassier McCauley that oh, yeah. can get you a bucket. Yeah. I mean, when you want somebody to go, and not all teams have that. And certainly at that level, not all teams have that. But he's a dude that can go get you something if you need yeah, it. He's been able to do that his entire career. And um, he's in the right system. You know, it's one of those things, John, where people talk about systems all the time and good fit. And it's a great fit for him because they're, they're going to extend the court. They're going to try and get in early offense as much as they can. As I mentioned, they space it well. Uh, they, have, uh, they have guys – uh, besides Covassier, they have guys who can put it on the deck, as they say, and go to the rim and make things happen. So they're fun. They're, they're fun and they're genuinely uh, a good, solid team. And I think uh, it's going to be fun. You're going to have to get over there multiple times and support your Sycamores. Yeah, 9-1 and one in the Valley right now, coming off a win the night before last down in Carbondale at Southern Illinois, which is – it is uh, never easy. By the way, you know, Carvassia McCauley is over 17 points per for Josh Schertz and his Sycamores in year two. That's great recruiting because I think people really missed a good player there. They, they did a wonderful job to do that. They've got an interesting matchup Sunday with USI. Uh, certainly a lot of interest in that game for the obvious reasons, and that should be fun. That should be a fun game down at Evansville. USI, that is something. I could get behind that as well. I mean, a, a team that's, you know, that transition like that and, and getting on the big stage, I, I can get with that. Well, Stan Gerard, uh, you know, had a, a Hall of Fame career at yeah. USI uh, and has just gone out there and done what you're supposed to do as a coach to make yourself better in this business. Tremendous success at, at, at UND. Uh, they're doing well. Brand new arena. Uh, well, not brand new, but it's a couple of years old. Great place to play. Uh, moving to division to the big time division one, and so uh, this is you know, and I applaud Indiana State for playing this game. I think it's great. I think it's I think it's solid for everybody, and it should be a really good game. Uh, four and five, Southern Indiana, Screaming Eagles in that that OVC, and they 
And they have losses. They played at Notre Dame. They played at Missouri. Lost at St. Bonaventure, uh, Western Illinois, Chicago State, and uh, they get Indiana State uh, coming up on Sunday, which uh, yeah, should be fun. But no, it's it's a, a heck of a story. I, if you were um, with that Evansville basketball program, would you be? I mean, you're probably concerned anyway about the direction in which it's going, but does that even add more angst to what you're thinking about with your own program with Southern Indiana taking off like that? Oh, I suppose it does to, to some people, but, you know, down there, they're, you're, your loyalties, you're, you're either a U of E, you're an Aces fan, or, uh, or you're a USI fan. And it's, and it's a, uh, obviously a city that can support great basketball, and it, and it always has. I think UV has a tough way to go, obviously, in the Valley. I'm not sure they're the greatest funded program in the Valley. It is a tough, tough place to be. Uh, and when you're in transition, like Coach Ragland is, you're trying to just figure things out. And um, it's tough. And USI right now, you know, coming in, getting all the publicity, if you will, most of the publicity because of the move and it's a it's an interesting dynamic that we up here in this part of the state don't really get exposed to very much, but it, it's real. Uh, and there's plenty of great basketball for basketball fans down in the Evansville area. Yeah, no doubt about that. And uh, obviously over in Terre Haute, you're feeling pretty good. Yeah. In Bloomington and West Lafayette, you're probably feeling pretty good. Right now, I want to go to West Lafayette for you. Bob Lovell's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline brought to you by CarX, your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations. That's CarX.com for the location nearest you. Uh, besides the big man, Zach Eady, and doing what he's doing individually so far, what strikes you about the the way that this team has so started well under Matt Painter this season? There was a little bit of question going without Jaden Ivey, going without Travion Williams moving forward, but it seems like that they the, the team looks better even if two incredibly talented guys moved on from West Lafayette last year? Well, I think the biggest surprise to me has been you, you have so many new faces, so many young faces that, that from day one haven't played like a young and inexperienced team. Uh, I mean, you look at uh, Fletcher Lawyer, you look at Braden Smith, they haven't played like rookies. You know, they, they may run into it You know, when the Big Ten gets in full swing. But, um, you know, having an anchor like Zach Eady always helps. And, and I think this is a, a, a perfect team for Matt uh, in, in a sense that uh, this is an, a team without egos. I think egos may have gotten to them a little bit last year toward the end. Uh, but they're better defensively. They share the ball better. And when all else fails, toss it in to Zach Eady and uh, good things will happen. And I think this team is playing better defensively than what they did uh, most of the time a year ago. So, yeah, and the thing about it is they play so well together. They play um, they play for one another, and it's an expression people use quite a bit. They're a fun group to watch, and, and they, you know they're going to play hard. That's just if, if you don't play hard, you're not going to play there, and that's how it goes. And so, yeah, early on, there's a whole lot of great basketball stories in our state at the college level without question. It's uh, Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk, later on tonight and tomorrow night as well. Your thoughts on the high school basketball season, which you know, I mentioned a little bit earlier, You know, now's the time if you had any football players that were playing uh-huh. late into uh-huh. the season, they really kind of start finding a bit more of their stride. And then in a week or so, 
you know, school is is going to vacate for right. break, and you're going to have some afternoon affairs, some oddly scheduled games and such. It's really a cool time of year. But who's impressed you with their start across the high school basketball landscape in Indiana? Well, you know what, this is a, um, you know, it, it's a, as you pointed out, John, it's a great time to go watch basketball. I mean, it really has. I don't know that I've been necessarily surprised. Your new cathedral was good. Uh, and you, and you, you know that um, a lot of guys back from last year. Uh, I think if you want to find out who's going to be good, you know, go out to Southport this weekend and watch the, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, forum uh, tip-off because you have <laughs> you have an enormous field. You know, you have one, two, yep. uh, five, and four A. Uh, you're just um, you're in a situation where if you want to see good basketball, you'll see it. And uh, I, I think that it's always great that they they do that shootout this point in the year because you're trying to find who you are. You know, North Davies has bumped up to three A. They won the one A championship. They're playing. The defending 3A champs in Beach Grove, um, Norwell, Franklin Central, Crown Points playing well. Southport, I think, is having a really good start. Bloomington North uh, and Fishers, uh, the team that may have gotten the best start or as well as good a start as anybody else is Zionsville. They had a great week last week. Uh, then you got Cathedral Ben Davis uh, for the nightcap. And so, you know, they're, they're, this, I think, again, like we said last year, and it's not a cop-out. I, th- I think it's very balanced in all four classes. Uh, I think you'll see movement from top to bottom. You'll see some teams be number one and kind of slide out and see how things go. But if you want to find out, you know, take a look at how good some of these teams are, That a lot of hype around them, head down to Southport and watch that. That sounds fun to me right there. That's a, a hell of a day of basketball right there. By the way, too, tomorrow night for me, so your uh, your Fighting Quakers tonight are getting Martinsville, right? So Martinsville, Kip Stags teams two and two. That's right. I'm going to go check out the uh, Arties in Center Grove tomorrow. But I point this out because it does make a lot of sense. This is kind of a gauntlet for the Artesians: Plainfield, Center Grove, and then next weekend Eastern Green. I mean, you talk <laughs> about trying to get through, through a a gauntlet of teams right there. That's well, tough. Cherry on the top, playing the <laughs> playing the birds, don't you think? I mean, it's a big deal right uh, there. Let me tell you. You know, you know Plainfield, and uh, it's a it's a conference matchup. Center Grove is logical because you guys are so close, and so uh, Plainfield is not bad. They're young at, at a lot of different spots. I had Kip on the show last weekend. Um, they're you know they got a great start. He, he really likes this team. And um, they'll be fun to watch. It'll be, I think, a, a nice weekend. I wish I was you. I, you know, I love Indiana sports talk. It's like a member of my family, but I don't get a chance to see very many games. I saw Zach Kahn the other night when I was getting ready to go out there and uh, uh, trip the light fantastic on the basketball floor in the West Gym at CG, and I told him I was going to come out and watch him. So. <laughs> They're four and zero, by the way. Center I know Grove you put still. a lot of pressure on that young guy. <laughs> yeah. Having you there, oh yeah, I know team, it's. There's a lot of pressure. Oh, on. I know, it. especially when you got you know you don't want to practice after I shoot out there. <laughs> no, I don't want to make those young dudes <laughs> no, look look bad. Replace the net. After <laughs> <your finish. laughs> All right, uh, nine thirty tonight, nine thirty tomorrow night. Correct across the great stations along the line of Network Indiana. Fifty-two of those crazy stations. 
bring our show to fans all around the state. It's kind of a fun thing to do on the weekend. Oh, that's outstanding. All right, well, listen, we're really getting into it. This is going to be a fun time of year as we get closer to the holidays and you get a lot of these afternoon games going on in in high school sports, high school basketball. It's pretty. We need a a road trip. You and I, road trip to Terre Haute. You can show me all your spots before we watch the uh, Sycamores play a game. I think so. I'm trying trying not to to jinx them here because i think once i really start getting into it i'm just kind of afraid that maybe i'd be called a bit of a jinx but i had josh shirts on last week and they still continue to win i had him on after that went over drake so they they are you're right they are talented and as i mentioned too they got a guy that could go out and get you one when you need it not a lot of other teams in that league no, do no and, and the other thing is they're fearless that's just how they're coached uh they're not afraid to get early in the offense uh, they'll defend you. They'll share it. Um, you got a lot of those ingredients that make you a pretty good basketball team. That's uh, Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk, later on tonight and tomorrow night as well on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations. That is CarX.com today. Bob, enjoy the weekend. Thank you. I will, John. Thanks for having me. He's right about going on at Southport. Loosen up those rims, too.